Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings be with you. I am Sheikh Ibrahim of the Ansari Sufi Order in Australia. This is a podcast about our Sufi teachings. Sometimes it is a specific focus. Other times we have what is called a sobet, an open and often free-ranging discussion with other students about how to apply the teachings. For more information, please see our website on sarisufiorder.org. Today's topic concerning sacred texts. Today is a discussion on the purification of the perfect human who has isolated themselves from and stripped themselves of all worldly concerns from The Secret of Secrets by Abdul Qadir al-Jalani. First, a poem from Hafez. In need of the breath. Now remember, breath in zikr is who, that we are doing zikr without even thinking about it consciously. Everything else is doing zikr that's alive. We can be conscious of it. Our heart is going, Allah, 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 which keeps us alive. And our breath, who, when we breathe out, we're breathing Allah's transcendent name. So we are doing zikr unconsciously. And what we're trying to do is learn how to do that consciously. So my heart is an unset jewel upon the tender night, yearning for its dear old friend, the moon. When the nameless one debuts again, 10,000 facets of my being unfurl wings and reveal such a radiance inside, I enter a realm divine. I too begin to so sweetly cast light like a lamp to the streets of this world. My heart is an unset jewel upon existence, waiting for the friend's touch. Tonight, my heart is an unset ruby, offered bowed and weeping to the sky. I'm dying in these cold hours for the resplendent glance of God. I'm dying because of a divine remembrance of who I really am. Hafez, tonight, your soul is a brilliant reed instrument in need of the breath of the Christ. Why is it in need of the breath of the Christ? Is he a little bit lost, maybe? Sorry? Um, does he feel lost? Is he waiting for mm. inspiration or something? Yeah, that's good. But why? Because Rumi talks about the reed instrument, the ney, which everybody plays in Turkey and Persia, is a, is a reed instrument. In other words, it's actually made out of a hollow reed that grows by the river. So, KD, I don't know if you read the very first poem that uh, Rumi wrote to begin the Mathnawi. Do you know that poem? Okay. No, he no. starts off, Rumi starts off with saying, you know, I'm like that reed that grows by the river that somebody cut 
and now I'm a I'm that flute, and I have these holes, like my body holes, but I can play it, and in that playing, I'm yearning to be returned to where I came from. So the idea of the breath is playing that which we are, in other words, being, and uh, learning how to be present with Allah, and that the idea of yearning, which is part of becoming close to Allah, is, is this sound that needs breath. Does that make sense? So that's kind of why he's talking about it in those terms. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Alameen. Yeah, Sheikh, just, um, yeah, there's a passage there of where he, where it says, waiting to be touched. Um, so uh, in extension of that, thinking about what you just described about the name. So to be touched, is does that mean to be empty as well, to one's capacity in their relationship to Allah? Um, yeah, that's that's one way to look at it. I think another is readiness, that we prepare ourselves to be close to Allah. Because we can't always be close to Allah. That would be very yeah. confusing. Yeah. You know, it would, it would be, it, it, I mean, you have to do your job. You have responsibilities. And if you're always being close to Allah, it, some things would be very difficult to do. So the idea of uh, learning to be ready through the zikr, adab, and rabita, and and keeping Allah in your heart, so that should that come, that you will be with Allah at that time. And then he talks about he waiting for the moon to come out. So. To me, what that's um, depicting is the light of the moon or illumination from the moon, mm -hmm. right, to help him, you know, reach that touch or feel that touch from God. Okay, good. Any other thoughts? Good. All right. Now, Abdelkader al-Jalani wrote a book called The Secret of Secrets. And in one of the chapters is called On the Purification of the Perfect Human Who Has Isolated Themselves From and Stripped Themselves of All Worldly Concerns. So sometimes to be able to disengage from attachments, it's helpful to think about retreating for a while. This is what Halvet is and what <laughs> lockdown is, right? You are forced to have a retreat. And that's because the law, I guess, feels it would be helpful. It has nothing to do with freedom. It has to do with surrender. So uh, I, I'd like to read just a couple paragraphs here, uh, kind of get you thinking on this uh, wavelength. The purpose of purification is two kinds. One is to gain access to the divine attributes and the other 
is to reach the realm of the essence. Purification, to gain access to divine attributes, necessitates a teaching that will instruct one in the process of cleansing the mirror of the heart from animal and human images by the invocation or inculcation of the divine names. This invocation becomes the key, the password to opening the eye of the heart. Only when that eye is opened can one see the true attributes of Allah, most high. Then that eye sees the reflection of the divine mercy, grace, beauty, and kindness on the purified mirror of the heart. The prophet of Allah, whose blessings be upon him, says, quote, the faithful sees by the light of Allah. And the faithful is the mirror of the faithful. He also says, the person of knowledge makes images while the wise person polishes the mirror upon which truth is reflected. Reminds me of a story between, uh, this was uh, uh, in a royal court a while back, there were Persians and Turks who were vying for um, the, uh, the king had asked for the best painters in the world to come. And there were two houses, uh, two kind of like very large mansions that needed to be decorated and painted. And the king said, oh, okay, the Persians say they're the best and the Turks say they're the best. Let's see who is the best and whoever gets, uh, whoever is the best, I'll give them some other jobs and we'll hire them. So the Greeks and Persians, you know, really loggerheads here to get the job. So it goes that the Persians painted a beautiful, colorful, lots of designs, motifs on this one building. And the Turks are looking at them. The Turks, seeing what they're doing, were looking at it and waited till they were finished. So the Persians finished, then the Turks put up mirrors all along the sides of the walls to reflect back, not just the house, but all the other things going on around. And the king had to decide, it looks like the Turks won this one. So it was the reflection, not the thing itself, that won the award and the job. So the idea of reflecting and understanding that uh, everything that we have is a reflection of the law, that even the, the names that we, we speak are reflections of reflections of essences, that the, the idea of getting closer to a law means becoming less and less part of these reflections and getting more to the essence of Allah, which we'll get to in just a minute. The person of knowledge makes images while the wise person polishes the mirror upon which truth is reflected. When the mirror of the heart is completely cleansed by being polished, 
with continuous invocation of the divine names. One has access to and knowledge of the divine attributes. The witnessing of this vision is only possible in the mirror of the heart. Purification for the purpose of attaining the divine essence is also continuous remembrance and invocation of the confession of unity. There are three names of unity, the last three of the 12 divine names. They are, what, we, what I just said, La ilaha illallah. There's no God but Allah. Second, Allah. That is the proper name of God. Who? That's the transcendent Allah. Haq, the truth. Hai, the everlasting divine life. And Kayum, the self-existing one upon whom all existence depends. Then there's the others. Kahar, the all-compeller, who overwhelms all. Wahab, the limitless donor of all. Fatah, the opener. Wahid, the one. Ahad, the unique. And Samad, the source. These names must be invoked not by the ordinary tongue, but with the secret tongue of the heart. It is only then that the eye of the heart sees the light of unity. When the sacred light of the divine essence becomes manifest, all material qualities disappear, all things become nothing. This is the state of total consumption of and of all and everything, a void beyond voids. The manifestation of divine light extinguishes all other lights. In other words, you see things as they really are. You have hakika, the, the perception of truth. Everything will perish but him. That's from Surah. Kasas, and quote, Allah effaces what he pleases and establishes what he pleases, and his is the essence of the book. Surah Rad. Uh, one more paragraph here. When all is gone, what is left forever is the Holy Spirit. It sees with the light of Allah. It sees him. He sees it. It sees by him. It sees in him. It sees for him. There are no images, no likeness in his seeing. Nothing is like him. And he is the hearing and the seeing. And what is left is absolute light. So this is from Secret of Secrets. And uh, this is one of those things that the, your understanding changes as you change. So you, you hear it at one level where you are right now. Then a couple months later, you read it again or you hear it again. You think about it and you go, oh, I didn't understand it before. 
Now I understand it. No, you don't. <laughs> this is a continuous process of of your your capacity for understanding. Questions or comments? Yes. So, if who is the breast and the heart is always breathing, Allah, Allah, Allah. So, what happens when one actually goes? you know, dies. Then you're dead. So what, does God take away the who? Yep. So why do we have it all our lives and then it goes? Because it needs to go somewhere else. So where does it go? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Let's find out when the time is right, when it's right. When's the time right? When it's time for the next mystery. Well, we won't be here then. Not physically. So do we believe in spirits? Uh, this is one of those things where it's up to you to decide what you believe. I am not your priest. I'm not going to tell you what to believe. This is for you to figure out. That's why there's no, you know, priesthood, no pope in Islam. That's one of the things I like about it, based on your ability to understand. I'm not going to tell you what happens next because it may be specific to you. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes, I, I understand what you're saying, but there seems to be rules for living, as in, you know, the who, you know, but there doesn't seem to be a rule, you um, know, for yeah. that sort of life. I mean, not a rule, that's a bad word, but yes, yeah, so so why why is it mystified? Is it because we don't know and it's an individual process um or yeah i'm just trying to understand it well think of it like you know we each have our own specific trajectory of life we started somewhere you know we all started pretty much at the same place but we had a lot of experiences that shape us in a certain way maybe this is something that continues I mean, from a specific uh, point of view, how did you see euthanasia? Sorry, say again. From a specific point of view, what? How is euthanasia? Ah, okay. Is that a sin? Is that you know? I mean, what? What? What is? One, yeah. Once again, um, we we are enjoined not to commit suicide. Because we, the idea is there's always a chance that we can um, fix things, that, that there may be a reprieve. Unless, of course, it's just not going to happen. It's a terminal case. And I'm just talking, I am just talking for myself now. I am not talking regarding the teachings and regarding this is what I've come up with. Um, if there's too much pain, and the and the ability to to live uh, 
just even a, a minimal quality of life is threatened, then, you know, something to consider. But in that case, I would talk with different people, you know, that I respect to come up with my uh, decision with that. I don't think it's something you should decide on your own. Thanks for that. I don't 100% agree, but thank you. Well, I think it should be done uh, in conjunction with with others who may have uh, uh, another point of view or maybe even scientifically have some other suggestions about how to deal with the problems. Each case is different and specific. I, I could not make a general case for either. I think it has to be it's specific to the person. Okay. Thank you, Shake. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Important stuff. Uh, other questions, comments? How would you define love and uh, how do you love? <laughs> oh, God. Big question. <laughs> um, Sorry, Shake. No, no, no. It's good. Uh, Shake Tanner's talked about this uh, often. We talk about love and we're going, well, what's that? When you're not thinking about yourself, when you're thinking about another person's happiness, that might be love. Um, love is not a, I don't think of it as a steady state. I think of it as uh, if it's with a person, I think it's the, the, the best feeling I have of it is sharing a sharing space, sharing life, sharing experiences, but a kind of open support and equitability. And, and with that, if we're talking like marriage or stuff like that, that's a co-commitment. You're both committing to a uh, sharing, sharing everything, sharing life. And that has its ups and downs. And part, part of that is also growing that that it has to include the ability to grow in your own way and in your own time which is a difficult thing to give to somebody else so that's that's kind of like where that starts i imagine or you know I, i'm open to discussing this it's a good question yeah yasmin um so so i guess you know, there there is um, having being unconditional to a, towards another person, right? Like accepting them for exactly what they are. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, there are ups and downs in life, but as God accepts us as we are, then I guess you know we we try to love in that way. I, I would have thought could be wrong, of course, and the um. Uh, the other thing is just all all of those values about kindness, compassion, taking care, you know, all, all, all of those things. Um, mm -hmm. But I think certainly, you know, um, being unconditional and just acceptance of what that person is or, you know, it could be towards your life, really. Yeah, and I think um, I, I just see love as having, having all these flavors, if you will, 
by the love for your child is unique and different than any other kind of love. And, and it almost comes on as a kind of hardwired kind of physical thing. I think when, when, when someone is born to you and to your family, something that <laughs> my experience is a little trigger that goes, boing, I will die for you. And it's kind of like, where did that come from? I wasn't expecting that, but that's there, which is different than other kinds of love. Um, yeah, yeah, when my son was born, it was kind of like, there he is, hello, I will protect you with my life. My life is not as worth as much as yours. I will do everything. That I can to make you stay alive, which is important for species, you know, sustaining, you know, that, that, that's a survival thing, I think. And at the same time, it could be, well, the initial parts of being in love are hormonal. There's a, there's a flooding of dopamine and, uh, uh, it sustains for a while so that the species can survive. That's, you know, the physical manifestation of love so that we can recreate. Then there's the love for Allah, which, like other kinds of love, I believe, has, again, many flavors. You can love Allah and go, oh, this is an incredible experience, being alive, having things, meeting people, being able to experience, you know, nature and, and all of these big things. And then there's a the time when it goes, there's not enough money. I, don't, I, can't, I can't afford to eat and I can't afford to feed you. What have you done to me, Allah? This is sucks. This is, now, is that love also? It can be at one level. Another, another is like, this is your relationship with the law. And in that sense, everybody has a unique relationship with the law. Nobody can tell you what it's going to be. It's called your secret. Nobody can interfere with that. So between you and a law is a relationship. How you develop that is up to you that's yours you choose how you want to make that work or not your choice so katie i can't ever answer that question because it just goes on and on and on every i'd say every person that has a relationship whether intimate or friendship that those kinds of loves are all unique and my my experience of relationships is that each relationship is unique. And part of what you're learning is how to grow as things change. If you don't grow, then you're going to fall out of love. Which doesn't mean also that there are not some relationships that need to be terminated because you're not growing or it's abusive or, you know, a couple other things. It's dangerous or it's 
it's uh, it's not co-equal. So those kinds of things. And at the same time, that is a kind of love as well, of like, thank you. I, I experienced love at certain points along here, but I think we've grown in other ways that it's not helpful to be together now. It's still all parts of love, that all of this, everything was created for love. That the idea of Allah providing mercy and compassion for everybody and for each person specifically, individually, is what the Quran in every verse except one says. I created you in my name the most, I, with the most mercy and with the most compassion, meaning generally and specifically. This is love. Whatever you see, this is another way to think of it. This is all love. There is nothing that is not love. Even the nefs in this state is love because this is how you learn. Allah made us to learn. And if to learn, you have to make mistakes. If you don't make a mistake, then you can't learn. You know, the stove is hot. I just burned myself. Aha, I have learned something. You would not have known that if you were perfect. This is love. This is teaching through love. So from Allah's point of view, this is all love for you so that you can know me and know the universe and life and all of its wonders through love. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. Thank you. Yeah. Um, there, yeah, there's the, the big picture and the little picture. The big picture is there's nothing that is not love. To imagine that is not love is to make your world very small. And that's not true. It's very big. It is so big that it can be so small and be able to control us with a little virus. And, and to say, you know, one way to look at that is, okay, you think you're so great. You think you're powerful. You're the greatest country in the world. You, you have all these powers and, and the internet and everything. What if I put something almost invisible inside you that you don't know how to fight? Who's, in, who's got the power? Where's the love? Who, you know, you're not that great. I have something inside you that's invisible to the naked eye. So don't get so high and mighty. I mean, this is just one way to look at it, but in understanding the, uh, the pandemic is a way of teaching because we got arrogant. 
and still <laughs> thinking, all right, take away my freedom. You don't know what freedom really is, do you? But that's me. I will not wax pull out politic here. Comments, questions? Have I offended anybody? Darn it. Okay, so does does that answer your uh, that kind of stuff? Anything else that that brings up for you? I will read a little story called The Magician. This is from a book about Sufi stories. So I thought this one might be appropriate. Take a listen and just kind of open open your ears and and approach this uh, as if you were in bed and daddy's reading you a fairy tale. A certain Sufi took up quarters in a caravanserai near a populous village not far from Jalalabad in Afghanistan. The villagers made a habit of telling all comers about Sahir, the dangerous magician of the locality. He must be the most dangerous wizard in the whole world, they said. The Sufi called everyone from the surrounding countryside for a meeting a few days after he had heard this for the 50th time. And he said, oh, people, gossip and imagination enervate the mind. I will now illustrate to you how your own love of idle talk has caused you to misunderstand, Sahir. You say that he is the most dangerous magician in the world, right? Yeah, the people answered. Although as a traveler, you may of course have heard of a worse one. We admit that your magician, whether I have heard of a worse one or not, is obviously far less dangerous than at least one other category of magician. The worst magician in the world is much more likely to be the very one who would not frighten you at all. But, clamored the people, what kind of magician would not frighten us? a successful one, a real one. He would have the power to do his will and yet appear to you to be an honorable person. It is only the magician who is powerless who has to make you fear him. Thinky, thinky, thinky. Have some thinky thoughts. And then tell me what you think this is about. What do you think, Alvin? Um, well, part uh, of it, I think there's a couple of things for me. But one thing is, is that how sometimes our habits and conditioning can become, can be seen as, you know, for me anyway, my understanding can be seen like the the magician, um, the powerless magician, and how 
yeah, we give, I mean, I give power to those myself in, in my life. And, um, as compared to seeing, seeing those habits and conditionings and, and, uh, yeah, fixed, fixed behaviors as, um, you know, from the perspective of my heart or from Allah's perspective, and then things just sort of vanish. That's part of what's coming to me initially. Um, there's something else, but it's, haven't quite grasped it yet. I may come back to it later. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yasmin? Cake, um, I've got no comment. Okay. Katie? Uh, I had a slightly different interpretation. For me, it was um, more about my ego and not becoming a super magician who who kind of sneaks up and is able to reason with me that I'm a really nice person by becoming more intellectual and reading more. Like, uh, yeah, kind of just made me think of that. Okay. Uh, there, can have, there can be many different yeses here. Yeah, Rukaya. I was thinking as an extension of what you guys said, like the difference between the Nats who are the false magician, they've, they're trying to use a lot of power to control us. And then Allah is the proper magician. He just has the right way of doing things and it's not about control, it's about love. I was saying, I like the last bit about um, the magician not needing to use fear that I think the um, a poor magician is the one that relies on on fear. That's yeah, right. That's so does that does that lead you to any other thoughts? Um, yeah, it's it's better not to not to influence people with with fear tactics, I guess. Or um, it, I don't know. I just thought it's it's better to be respected than. Feed. I just got that comment, yeah. Okay. However, I think the story was saying exactly the opposite, that okay. you should fear the one who doesn't create fear, but who mm -hmm. makes them look like they're okay. very honest and, and caring. Okay. The <laughs> The, the uh, yeah the other thing that made me think about Sheikh was um just on top of what you just said there's uh what you and the maybe Sheikh Tanner has said about how sometimes the the shiny things um you know the sort of that there's can be not much substance or you know the fear or the illusions and sometimes the you know the more uh, powerful or not powerful but yeah, more there's some some things which are more of substance are uh, just in the in the brown paper bags. Right. Good. Mm. And and this this story has many levels. There's not one proper correct answer. So th th that's the thing about these kind of stories is that they are mm, sometimes useful to explain something that you didn't understand before. They're also really good 
to explain something to somebody at the right time when you really don't want to confront them, but we have a story that kind of tells about this. Now, one one interpretation, I have a, uh, there's a couple that I think about. One is about religion itself, that a religion that inspires fear in others as compared to another religion that says, this, we're, we're about love here and caring and respect. Now, it may be helpful to think about this in terms of, you know, you'll be thrown into the pit of hell and brimstone and fire shall be your inheritance, you know? You know, to scare people into belief rather than going, uh, you need a meal? You need something to eat? Looks like you could use a haircut or you could, you know, you need a friend, you need a hug. In essence, this is one way to look at the difference between the brimstone and fire religions or belief systems and the idea of others that are more about coming to uh, to Allah through patience, love, respect, and, and openness, transparency, okay? The other one that came to me at first was about commercials, that commercials that, that scare you or movies that scare you don't do quite as much in their message as ones that are sincere and honest. That goes for people as well. So I think, you know, another way to think about it is uh, don't be scared of people who are scary or don't, don't be frightened of situations. The reality may be completely different. So assess as you go along. Does that make sense? So that, what I'm saying is these kinds of stories are multi-level and can have, they can have many yeses. One more story then from Mullah Nasruddin. So this is a book about the pleasantries of the incredible Mullah Nasruddin. Okay, I'm going to do two, maybe three. Short, they're very short. Hamza, the homespun philosopher who peddled truisms in the tea house, was droning on. How strange is humanity to think that man is never satisfied. When it is winter, it is too cold for him. In summer, he complains of the heat. The others present nodded their heads sagely, for they believed that by doing so, they partook of the essence of this wisdom. Nasruddin looked up from his abstraction. Have you not noticed that nobody ever complains about spring? One more, maybe two more. A neighbor came to Nasruddin for an interpretation on a point of law. My cow! was gored by your bull. Do I get any compensation? Certainly not. How 
can a man be held responsible for what an animal does? Oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, said the crafty villager. Uh, I'm afraid I got the, the question back to front. What actually happened was that my bull was gored by your cow. Ah, said the monk, this is more involved. I shall have to look up the book of precedents, for there may be other factors involved which are relevant and which should, could alter the case. In other words, if it went for his benefit, it would be different. Nasruddin saw some tasty looking ducks playing in a pool. When he tried to catch them, they flew away. He put some bread in the water and started to eat it. Some people asked him what he was doing. I'm eating duck soup, said the bullock. One of the boys at the Moa's school asked, what was the greatest achievement? That of the man who conquered an empire, the man who could have but did not, or the man who prevented another from doing so? I don't know about any of that, said the Moa, but I do know a more difficult task than any of those. What's that? Trying to teach you to see things as they really are. Ezbalahi Manashatan Rajim, Bismillah Rahman Rahim, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Rahman Rahim, Maraliki Yokadim, Yakina Budua Yakina Stahim, Idina Sarata Mustaka, Sarata Lanzina Namta Rahim, Hyrin Lakubi Rahim, Walanta Salam alaikum, Marids, seekers, curious, and interested listeners. We appreciate you and are happy to share our Sufi message. Your donation will help support our Sufi Center in Sydney, where we do zikr, sobat, spiritual counseling, and healing services. We believe the message should be free, but it costs equipment, rental, services, software, and hardware to get this to you. So thank you for choosing our podcast among all the millions available. If you go to our website, ansarisufiorder.org, you will be able to donate through PayPal whatever you think this information is worth to you. Blessings and love, the Australian Ansari Sufi Order.